0: What's happening, everybody? I'm Lee McCormick. Welcome to Tramps Like Gus, Bruce Springsteen Podcast. This is episode 38, Springsteen Fandom, volume 7. I recently got together with my buddy Troy Harkin, and we talked about Bruce, we talked about music, and we talked about some different things. So I'm going to give you that conversation. I just love talking to anybody about Springsteen, talking to anybody about music. It's really cool, man, And, and this is exactly what I'm looking forward to. In the next couple of weeks at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo, which is happening on August 26th. We're just over two weeks away. There's going to be rock and roll podcasts from all over North America showing up. We're going to be recording podcasts. Uh, People are going to come by and say hello. There's going to be some musicians and producers and writers there. There's going to be vinyl dealers. It's going to be a great day. So I hope you can come by. If you're there, come by and say hello to us. Stop by. We're going to be recording all day long. So we can get you in on the podcast and we'll talk about anything. We'll talk about music. We're going to talk about Bruce Springsteen. There's going to be lots of podcasts, lots of rock and roll, lots of friends. Do you love it loud? then plan to attend the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. One day event celebrating all things rock and roll. Over 20 rock podcasts from all over North America recording on site. Panel discussions with producers that have worked with Ozzy, Slayer, Kiss, Y&T, Seven Dust, Dokken, and more. Celebrity signings and meet and greets with current and former members of Cinderella, Winger, Tora Tora, Collected Soul, Taiketo, The Monkees, with more to be announced all that and record dealers slinging some sweet vinyl. The Nashville Rock and Pod Expo takes place Saturday, August 26th at the Music Valley Event Center. More information available at nashvillrockandpodexpo.com as well as on Facebook. The Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. Feast your ears! All right, so we're talking Bruce Springsteen with Troy Harkin. We're in beautiful Aurora, Ontario today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's the burbs, man. It's, uh, the burbs. I love the burbs. That's yeah, where I I I'm, I'm a burbs there's guy. There's something about you know the burbs that's perfect for Bruce, right?
0: Yeah, we're talking Bruce Springsteen, and uh, I don't know what should we talk about. Where should we start?
1: Uh, well, there's a lot to go. There's a lot to go over. To go over. Right, we're just gonna randomly all, talk I here. First, can I confess something to you? Can sure. I, can I get something off my off my chest yep. here and? and uh like like bruce i was uh brought up catholic so i feel the, feel the need to confess <laughs> and and lee of tramps like us here is my confession all right lee forgive me for i have never seen bruce in i've never paid to see bruce really and never seen a live show and i've been a fan for decades why How, you just never had the, I, never really can't even do the math i'm I'm so old now, but yeah, um, yeah what th- at least three decades I've been h- a huge fan, but I've I've never seen Bruce live, and for this I I confess my sin.
0: Is there a reason like he's just never worked out? Or like,
1: well, but it, remember, there will be a sort of an asterisk to to this. Yeah. I, I have seen Bruce. I've just not seen. Yeah, him. Yeah, you have a good moment. You were right, going to tell a story Right, about so right, we'll get but, to that. But yeah. here's here's my I guess uh, my rationale for my for my sin. Um, the opportunity just always seemed bad. Like I always wanted to see Bruce, and I, the first really good chance I had to see him was in '85. Uh, was on the uh, the Born in the USA tour. Yeah, it's
0: oh, heartbreak for me. Um, yeah, but issues.
1: I was still, uh, I guess, at the end of my teen years, and I was trying to smooth things out with my parents, and uh, my parents had booked a vacation, yeah. uh, and it was when Bruce was in town and he played the CNE. and I believe as well this tell you how I guess I was being a good son here but a, a bad rock fan I, I think I also missed the Clash uh at, at exhibition stadium I think it was the same period
0: well they wouldn't Clash wouldn't have been playing in 85 would they
1: oh that's right because no you're right sorry you're right so I'm good I'm good but there yeah. was another camping trip I think where I missed the Clash okay you're right I've compressed time thank you for that although
0: Springsteen did play he played c 84, summer 84, and he played summer 85, right. and he came back. Yeah, and I... So it could have been, maybe, did the, the Clash play 84 that... Uh, no, I
1: saw them the in 84, I saw the Clash in 84 at the Gardens, actually. Yeah, okay. But I missed the 82, um, which is, you know, considered by many Clash fans to be one of the best times. I mean, the O'Keefe Centre was also a great Clash event in Toronto, but... Uh,
0: 82 would have had Mick, right?
1: The last oh, yeah, yeah. The and it was, you know, they, I remember they had the banners of uh, the only band that matters. Right, yeah. Um, anyway, I would have loved to have seen that show, but I think I, I was also doing a family Did we, we, You didn't go the to the Batman. O'Keefe
0: Center one? You weren't at that one? No, the o- That's the one I that seen, has the new... I've me- seen
1: The Clash twice. Right. I, s- I saw The Clash open for The Who in Buffalo. And as a huge... Rich
0: Stadium, yeah, it was a, that's a legendary show. As
1: a, as a huge Who fan yeah. and Clash fan, that is one of my all-time favorite gigs. Boy, yeah. um, and the set list for that which I have somewhere (laughs) (laughs) around I mean, it was a stellar set list. I think they did like 12 songs, and every song is a classic Clash song. And, now that I remember it, during the song Somebody Got Murdered, I saw somebody in the festival seating get stabbed.
0: I think I've heard that story. Oh, really? For me? Maybe, yeah. Okay. Or somebody else has told that story but i've heard that okay
1: that's weird maybe with somebody yeah also near me but it it was kind of a fair it was a very freaky event i was wondering if i was watching like a mini altamont or something weird but the guy uh seemed to be okay the fellow who was stabbed and the other guy who pulled out the knife he was out of his gourd Um, just like
0: wasted or tripping on something yeah definitely
1: definitely anyway so i always remember that with that song by the clash somebody got murdered um
0: you weren't at the, and then there's the, the legendary o'keefe center show in toronto right you weren't around for that were you
1: no what i'm trying to remember what year that would have been like 80
0: maybe Eighty. that's the one where it's and like there's that legendary new music clip yeah where it's like the after the show and they're all like tearing down and they're surveying the crowd right. the manager's like looking at all the busted seats right. and he's like 13 14 okay we got 14 rock and roll fans yeah. in toronto
1: and uh, <laughs>
2: This is The Clash. Since the demise of the Sex Pistols, they're England's most powerful, most intense band. Recently, The Clash visited Toronto with Northern Ireland's undertones. These two bands, the most politically active rock and roll groups, drove some hardcore fans to near frenzy. In the spirit of all devout rock and rollers, The Clash travel with a whole entourage, who were all disappointed that North American punk fans behave in such a docile manner. This is the scene after the Clash Concert.
3: It's great, it proves that somewhere in North America there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, this is what 10, 11, 14, there's at least 14, 15, 15 slash 16, that counts. 16 rock and roll fans in North America.
2: 17. They started we were 17.
3: Well, there you are. There's a couple of, There's probably 20. There's probably 20 rock and roll fans in America. Uh,
1: you and I a little earlier were talking about 1980 as sort of being my year of like my coming out as a, a music fan, as a huge music fan, not just as a uh, yeah. as a you know passing uh, pedestrian you know listening to. Bon Jovi, but you might listen to Michael Bolton or something. Yeah, maybe. like pop hits, like, radio, like whatever. Who listen yeah. to whatever, you know. Anyway. You get certain
0: um, bands that become like, right. Just, yeah, this is my thing That's
1: the period that I started to become a discerning music listener. And um, so yeah, I, I was a little bit too young, although I also remember <laughs> around that time hearing London Calling, the album for the first time, and also becoming aware of this whole thing at that period of you know, the punk new wave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although you know again that's a very suburban thing because really a lot of people will tell you that you know punk was started in 76 and was done by 77 but still i was if you're going to be a
0: purist you right. know like yeah yeah
1: Right, and, and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it's, it's all. Yeah. I mean, hey, if you're a rock fan, it's hard to be a purist, right? Because the music is made up. It's a mongrel music, right? Exactly. It's it, m- turn,
0: it, it turns into something new every five right. years. So right? like it really, why be a
1: purist about exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. you got to just go with it. <laughs> um, anyway, so yes, I didn't get out to those shows, and it wasn't really until um, uh, my first show was with Rush <laughs> at Maple Leaf Gardens and followed by The Kinks. What year would that would have been? That was 1980. 1980 that,
0: Rush, that's uh, moving, moving pictures? pictures. Fuck, that's awesome.
1: That, it was actually, <laughs> you want to talk set list? That was a stellar set list. There was no dead weight in that set list. I'm sure, like, rush
0: up to 19. Are you sure they didn't do, like, a half hour, like, Hemispheres <laughs> Cygnus X1 bullshit or anything? Probably probably no, <laughs> no,
1: no, no. it was all, like, you know, even though I'd just gotten into the music, I knew every tune. Yeah, yeah. Um, And there was a lot of moving pictures, actually, for the album coming out. Like, I remember they did uh, Witch Hunt. Really? Um, Wow. And uh, it was all great. They came out to uh, um, Three Blind Mice, which I think has been a a common thing for them. But uh, I think it was the beginning of them entering the stage to uh, Three Blind Mice. Um, Yeah, the kinks were great. Um, And then uh, I saw shows here and there, you know, in the next uh, couple of years. But another huge issue with my parents and rock and roll was 1982 when originally uh when the uh the who tour for 82 was announced they it was announced that they would not be playing in toronto which i think was a promotion thing to get people to buffalo to sell a rich rich stadium Um, because soon after rich stadium went on sale they did announce toronto shows anyway i had a huge thing with my parents where i my parents like said you're not leaving the country to see a rock show um, That's just crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because uh, my parents totally thought you know rock was the devil's music. Oh, it is. It um, is. <laughs> yeah, and they would have these conversations where like, because I'd say, well, what about Elvis? Because they were Elvis yeah. fans, and they said Elvis is a country singer. <laughs> now, Elvis and, is the devil and, himself, man. And I, was, I was thinking you've you've missed a lot of Elvis, then. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. Um, anyway, so in '82, I I uh, I bought my tickets to go to Buffalo. Bought the, the bus tour package. Uh, with uh, one of my best friends. Um, and I went home, and I bought my mom a bouquet of flowers, and I wrote a note telling her how much I loved her. And I said, You know, this is very important to me. And if you don't understand, you know, that's unfortunate, but um, it's essential that I see this show. And uh, you know we can figure out uh, the future course of our relationship, <laughs> basically. But that's the, the next part. morning.
0: But I am going to see Pete Townsend. Yeah, and that's in and Buffalo. that's the way it went. So
1: yeah. that was
0: that was that. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh, so so Bruce.
0: So you never saw Bruce, but you said there was a moment where.
1: Right, I never paid to see Bruce. Never saw a full show. Right. But um, I was precocious in some ways. I mean, maybe it was just totally total naivete. Uh, I used to think that, uh, you know, if you just went out and asked somebody for something, like somebody famous, that uh, you would just get it, you know, like, why wouldn't you? Um, So the uh, (laughs) in grade nine and grade 10, I was the sports editor for our high school newspaper. And I thought I can get an interview with Harold Ballard. Now, Harold Ballard, for those outside of the Toronto area, was sort of the George Steinbrenner-esque owner of the toronto maple leafs in the uh 60s 70s 80s and maybe i guess early 90s yeah. um and uh it really ruined the team in many ways but he was flamboyant had sort of a alf- also a trump-like uh, quality to him he didn't give it crap about what anybody said and uh hey i forgot i can swear here can't i yeah fuck you can say <laughs> yeah, anything you want man he didn't give a fuck yeah um just like janice from accounting and uh so anyway uh he, uh I thought I'll, I'll send him a, a letter, saying I'm with my high school paper and see if I can get an interview. And he was banning local journalists left, right, and center at yeah. this period. <laughs> um, anyway, I, and he, he sent me back a very nice letter saying just call his secretary and he'd arrange a time. Um, so this was great. I thought I, I'll go down there and I'll ask him about why he's ruining the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, so. I get down there, and he's got this uh, office in this kind of uh, uh, alcove. It's like his secret getaway section, like the back cave almost. It wasn't uh, the, uh, in, in the like the
0: King Clancy booth that you could see? No. It wasn't no, that?
1: It was like this really uh, uh, incredible over-the-top uh, office that okay. had like a huge marble desk. It had a bear skin that... Uh, Tiger Williams had shot for him Awesome On the wall or on the floor And it was uh, (laughs) The walls were just covered With people like Elvis And Sinatra And the Beatles People who had played Played the gardens You were
0: This is like 1980 Yeah Around
1: yeah Yeah Um, So uh, And he was very very kind You know And uh, he answered all of my questions And my voice by the way I don't know Hopefully a little better than now But my voice was cracking like crazy I was so nervous (laughs) Yeah and I think I like backtracked a whole bunch of times. Like, you might not want to answer this, but you know, yeah. anyway, Yeah. <laughs> it went well. And I was ecstatic as I left the office that I kind of got this interview. Now, I knew going into uh, the gardens that day that Bruce was playing there because on the marquee, it's huge, you know, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band tonight.
0: Um, oh, so this is the night of the, so right. the night you got this interview with Harold Ballard, Springsteen's right. playing there. Right.
1: Wow. And so I guess I went in for the interview at around 4 o'clock or so and was maybe there for 20 minutes. And, uh, you know, again, back in the days long before cell phones, and again, having lived almost as far away as I do now from Toronto, um, I had to uh, basically have my father pick me up uh, to get back home unless it was going to take me like whatever, two and a half hours by transit back in that day. The buses came hourly back then. Um, anyway so uh, I knew that my dad was going to be coming down to Young and Carlton downtown you know like an hour drive to get me yeah. at a certain time I, I leave and I'm happy excited I'm still in the gardens and I hear music playing and I knew some of the songs from the river at that point point. and again honestly I can't remember what it was I think it was something like uh, Two Hearts or Ramrod one of the upbeat Numbers yeah, they're sound wherever. checking, right? You're hearing yeah, the sound yeah, check. Yeah, yeah, and and, and it's the thing. And at first, I, being naive, never having been to like a, yeah. a really decent show, I think at that point, I I was like, are they playing Bruce in you know just in the arena? And uh, I follow the sound, and I go through uh, one of the tunnels into the actual gardens into the arena, um, and and there's the E Street Band sound checking, and. Uh, I, there really wasn't actually any ushers around, but I was afraid if I went too far, somebody Someone would will catch throw me you. out. Hey, right? what is this kid doing here? And uh, I, I watched him, I think, go through whatever that song was a couple of times. Uh, and and then was thinking, you know, can I hide in the bathroom stall, you know, yeah. until it's showtime? <laughs> and I, I was actually even doing the math. Like, even if I could have called my dad off, it's like, I think it was an 8 o'clock show. And it's like 5 o'clock, so I've got three hours. have got three hours to hide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and I don't know if you remember the gardens, but those those bathrooms, there was not much to them. They, they actually had the yeah the troughs, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Where you piss on urinals. ice cubes in a in right. a trough <laughs> with a
0: bunch of guys, that's I remember being uh you know going to Leaf Games and, and having to do that, just being traumatized. So yes. Yeah. You know, a little eight-year-old kid having a fucking piss yeah. in this trough with, like, old men beside me. Like, and
1: this probably changed before your time because I've got, like, a little bit of age on me from you. But I remember the days of going to the gardens, and people would could smoke at the gardens.
0: I remember that smoking yeah. area, for
1: sure. And not not in the seats, but during the intermissions, everybody would go out, and then the, uh, the area... Near the concessions were just filled with smoke, yeah. And I was asthmatic as a kid, so it was just awful, yeah. Anyway, back to Bruce. I'm watching sound check, yeah. And and the thing is, at that point, remember, this Jam is not crush
0: on you or something like that. Yeah,
1: this is not the era of MTV yet, right? Yeah, uh, this is not like getting to see however many. Videos there were from uh, Born in the USA, like five, wasn't five or six for that yeah, album. Yeah, five
0: videos. F- he did seven singles, but five videos. Right. Yeah, crazy.
1: And and with that album, that was the first time Bruce was actually in video. Yeah. Right. Like I mean, there I was the Rosalita clip, right.
0: and then like Atlantic City was right. like a just a performance. A, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's what I remember. You know, I remember. You know, that's the only time I'd seen the E Street Band, and what was different, of course, was it wasn't full lighting right as we're doing the, the, sound. It's like the house lights or whatever dim. yeah yeah and uh i was just amazed to be there like to, to be sort of like what seemed like a secret moment yeah that's you awesome know, of watching that's, this cool. Band that's really cool do this and i also was staggered because like when you see the the clips that you just mentioned rosalita and the no nukes clips the, like the detroit medley um you know it's always cutaway 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 you don't see long shot yeah right, of, of, this, of the stage and that's what you see with the human eye and I was amazed at how many members were in the band yeah you're like there's like there's
0: eight guys on the stage right, what's going on right, <laughs> right and I'm
1: you know grew up as a well you know, seven, seven as a then, Brit yeah. a Brit rock guy where you know generally there's four guys maybe five you know and sometimes even just three really, yeah. right um so to see like I, he's got he's
0: got two people playing keyboard he's got cool. he's got an army <laughs> he's got
1: an army of musicians who's this
0: 8 foot black guy like scarred the stage or Yeah over here, and yeah. there
1: was even then i could tell there was a sense of you know him being the boss of him commanding uh everybody else yeah taking you know, control of the
0: soundtrack and like cause they're all it.
1: watching watching Bruce yeah. as they're, as they're playing um but again, I wish I had like a video of it, like a cell phone video. Ah, wow, it's one of those uh, moments, eh? But it is in my mind still, this ingrained
0: in your memory. It's amazing. I,
1: although I wish I could honestly say which tune it is, I don't trust my memory enough to say that it was, you know, this one or that one. But uh, I, I know it's definitely one of the. It was from the Alps from the album and it was one of the upbeat tunes yeah I'm
0: gonna say Crush on You I'm gonna say you sound check Crush on You that sounds yeah
1: yeah. (laughs) actually no you're right I don't know if I mentioned that earlier but that's when I was thinking about it because I was driving around with the river yesterday thinking uh, which one it might have been and the reason I think it might have been Crush on You was I remember the uh, you know all of the call and response parts yeah and there aren't too many of the songs on on it that have a lot of call and response are there maybe maybe sherry darling that's not even so much uh call and response not really background ruckusing rumpusing yeah
3: (laughs) i stare directly into the camera (laughs) and then i get the big count on
1: It's something that, you know, I still want to see, Bruce. I wish I'd seen him at Massey Hall uh, on Tom Jode. Um, I tried
0: to get tickets for that. I couldn't get that sold out too quick. I didn't get to see him until 2000. But Yeah, yeah.
1: always the problem with Massey Hall, right? I mean, so
0: good, but it's only like 3,000 seats, right? So I know,
1: like you want to be there, but now in, in the digital age, especially yeah. with ticket scamming going on, you know, it's hard to get in there. I remember that
0: right around that time, uh, Keith Richards played Massey LT with the Winos, and that was a tough ticket to get. That was like mid 90s, yeah.
1: I remember you talking recently about how uh, in the 80s, you know, you had to get down to Ticketmaster and line up. And, like, you know, so often for big shows, people would sleep over. Yeah, and it was kind of fun, right? Um, It was. And at least you had a sense of. Like, I'm committed. I'm committed. I'm I'm a hardcore fucking fan, man. I'm going to, like,
0: take a day off work. Exactly. I'm going to, like, get here in the middle of the night like an idiot. Exactly. (laughs) And I remember
1: doing that in 84 for The Clash. I don't know how much longer that it lasted. But, um, yeah, like, it felt like I'm a fan this is how you get it this ticket. is how you do it yeah and now like i mean to me there was nothing worse than last year with the tragically hip like oh that's a, so brutal that meant so much to so many people yeah and then just to have tickets evaporate for your eyes you know
0: it's insane yeah it's it's tough i don't know the ticket situation these days is uh, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. and i
1: guess maybe i should fill in for some folks who you know outside of canada who don't know the hip but the, the hip are a band that are, are huge within the country and mean a lot to them. In fact, my wife, when she was in Nashville trying to explain um, the cultural resonance of the Tragically Hip to Canadians, yeah. she said, really, it's only like Springsteen. Like You guys have Springsteen that like, means what it is to be American yeah, yeah. Um, and who speaks for the country. Um, so that's kind of what it was like. And the thing is, uh, the lead singer of the band, Gore Downey, it turns out has uh, terminal brain cancer, so they did this quick summer uh, tour uh, to sort of say goodbye. Yeah, final
0: tour. He's not going to play anymore. It's la- last kind of thing, right?
1: And then people were burned, really. Yeah. So I was glad that I saw them on the previous tour. So.
0: Yeah, I saw them earlier in their career, like around uh, Road Apples. When was that? Like 1990, maybe? And then I have I kind of dropped out of fandom with them, but
1: uh, was that like a horseshoe uh, a show or a club show?
0: That was at the concert hall. They played the concert hall. Wow. Oh, I
1: saw them there once as well. And and, uh, it was a, uh, uh, what do they call it? Not a secret show, but it was a giveaway by a radio station. Really? Uh, And you could only get tickets the day of. They announced it. Um, And so this would have been 2001, I think, uh, because uh, I'm standing there. I was towards the back of the... uh, concert hall standing room primarily except for the balcony and uh, so it's always been a hot venue (laughs) always been a super hot venue yeah the
0: concert hall I've seen some great shows there so
1: I step back uh, towards the doors to get a bit of the breeze and then uh, this guy I'm a fairly tall guy and this guy comes in beside me about my size and I look over and he's wearing a, a, a black tie a white shirt and black pants and it's Dan Aykroyd and they were in town shooting uh, Blues Brothers 2002. Right, right, right. And Blues Brothers 2000. Yeah, I remember right he right was here. a huge, tragically hit fan. Well, Kingston was. Connection, right? Right. Yeah, he, Kingston yeah, Connection. He, he got them on Saturday Night Live yeah. and introduced them. But anyway, so I <laughs> went over and it, it's, it's Acroyd. And I'd met him once before. Elwood Blues in the flesh. Yeah, awesome. literally, like you know, he he, uh, you know, except for the glasses and the fedora, <laughs> he was in. He had come directly from uh, the set to uh, to see the show. Weird. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, I saw him change out of Elwood Blues outfit behind the uh, club X-ray or X-rays, I think it was called. Oh yeah. Uh, he he'd played with the band at an Argo's game and then rode his Harley. Up to X-rays, yeah. And uh, there's a van there waiting for me. Changed like Superman, out of, <laughs> out of his Elwood thing. But I was so uh, that's wicked. I, I couldn't resist it. Like I, I, had to go over and say, Dan, I love like so much of what you've done. I love how you get you know promote the blues, how you like an, uh, evangelize for the blues, yeah. and for older music. Uh, as he's changing out of his gotchies and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, there you go.
0: Well, he's cool. Yeah, he's one of my heroes. I love Elwood Blues, man. The Blues yep. Brothers is so great.
1: Or is it plain white toast?
0: Four fried chickens and a Coke. Yeah. Some plain white toast, please. Yeah. And a, f-
1: <laughs> and a few years ago, I, I went to uh, Wrigley Field, and uh, as much as I am a baseball fan, a huge part of it was because of the Blues Brothers. Yeah, for this sure. Is, this is the fake home
0: of Elwood Blues. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Elwood. Yeah, I
3: promised Elwood he could do a song. Elwood, you want to do a song? Yeah. Okay, it's a song by the Chips.
4: On the hill, here on the hill, I on the hill. on the hill, on the hill, on the hill, here on the hill, 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 here on the hill,
3: on the hill, do that again.
4: Bow, bow, bow. Have you ever heard of a wish sandwich? A wish sandwich is the kind of a sandwich where you have two slices of bread and you
3: <laughs>
4: wish you had some meat ball ball ball. Here on on bow. Here on on Here on on The other day I had a ricochet biscuit. A ricochet biscuit is the kind of a biscuit that's supposed to bounce back off the wall into your mouth. If it don't bounce back, <laughs> you go hungry, bow, bow, bow. The other day, I had a cool water sandwich and a Sunday go to meet and bun. water. <laughs> water. <laughs> what do you want for nothing? here, here,
3: here,
4: here, here,
3: Under the arches with the steamboats, ancient goblins and wild come at the ground like making a sound The smell of death is all around. And at night when the cold wind blows, no one cares. Nobody knows. I don't want to live my life again I don't want to be buried in a big cemetery I don't want to live my life again
0: All right, so you mentioned some Springsteen connections with uh, Stephen King. Tell me about that.
1: I did, I did. Um
0: Stephen King. I know the Ramones connection with Stephen yeah. King. He's a big rock and roll fan. I'm a yeah. fan of the Ramones. But
1: Ramones and ACDC. dc Yeah, ACDC, um, Maximum Overdrive. Right. It used to be that uh, he would only only write to uh, heavy stuff, especially the Ramones and AC. Like he would put on
0: some metal and like like write. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And I don't know if this was uh, pre CDs or, or how he would do it. Maybe it was cassettes, but uh, where you know cassettes used to be able to just flip over and keep playing, yeah. keep playing, keep playing because that was the idea to have just something heavy to keep you writing um, but he yeah. loves both those bands of course uh, Ramones did Pet Cemetery. Uh, yeah, that's Patrick one of he did the whole Who Made Who soundtrack for Maximum Overdrive Maximum Overdrive, Overdrive yeah um, but uh, yeah, I mean, anybody who's ever uh, read any Stephen King like you see his love of music uh, in the references and um, it was really cool, I think He's the first guy I know of, and one of the only people still to do it, where uh, often authors will uh, preface a book or a chapter of a book with um, some, some classic poetry or something. Yeah. Right? Like I know uh, like H.P. Lovecraft used to do that, like you know, we'd have a little reference from uh, Homer or something that would... Uh, somehow tie into the theme. Kind of tie into the theme, yeah. Set right. up. Or so set up a
0: chapter. I've seen people do that with, like, we'll set up a chapter with a little verse.
1: Yeah, and I know. have to say, it's one of the things that drew me to King initially, uh, because you know I was a huge music fan, and you pick up a book, and at the very beginning, you see, like, well, for example, let me show you the Stand, which is considered one of his best best.
0: The books. Stand. Okay.
1: Right. Um, so. The the first little uh, chunk you get, little reference to anything before the book opens, is this section from Jungle Land. And it may even be where he got the actual title from. Um, So what he quotes is, outside the streets on fire in a real death waltz, between what's flesh and fantasy, and the poets down here don't write nothing at all, they just stand back and let it all be. And in the quick of the night, they reach for their moment and try to make an honest stand. But they wind up wounded, not even dead, tonight in jungle. And that is totally the perfect scene set for the opening of The Stand, which is about the world being taken down by a virus and then um, one group of people having to unite and take a stand against this evil group of people. Um, yeah, so
0: I wonder if he, he if he got inspiration from that song. He's like, oh, I'm going sure. to take that. Oh, here, here's how I'll take that art and turn it into something filtered through me, and it comes out. You know, I'm the totally other side. sure like, of that. Yeah. I mean,
1: that's th- the thing about King. He was like a cultural sponge, right? I mean, that one of the, the things that he does all the time, especially in the early days, which was different from what other writers were doing, was he was constantly pulling references to like. You know, like if he was writing a book now, he would mention. You know, I pulled out my iPod. I uh, it would be brand recognition and things yeah, like that, yeah. so people could recognize the everyday that they were living to help them believe an extraordinary scenario. Scenario
0: could be um, re- real, uh, realistic kind yeah, of. And yeah,
1: and it, it also says, you know, basically by by doing this, uh, this is you know this world. You know this world. Yeah. You know, come in. I'll tell you a little bit more. But you know this world. <laughs> Actually, the next. Little one is from a little quote on uh, the opening of the stand is from Blue Oyster Cult, right? <laughs> <laughs> which is great. I've always loved Don't Fear the Reaper, which yeah. is what it is. But uh, cool, and so that's the, the stand, yeah. The other example I have is from It, which is coming out as a film. Uh, film. It, that, w- that
0: was the clown movie, that was the clown yeah, one, right? Yeah, right,
1: right. Well, Pennywise the clown, right? Um, this one is much much shorter, but uh, the uh, the opening and actually the main part of of it is set in a f- fictional main town called Derry. Um, and in Derry, a lot of bad shit happens. Yeah. Um, there's this feeling that the town is cursed. So the, it's a short line here from Born in the USA, which is just born down in a dead man's town. Yeah, and It's like, yeah, that's dairy. It's a dead man's town.
0: So he's just using that as like a, just a, a quote to set up the book before he's even exactly. started. Exactly. Like, okay. Exactly. Before... It's
1: almost like, you know, when a movie starts, the credits are rolling yeah. and there's like a piece of music playing. Right, yeah. You know, it's like totally his scene set that he's trying to get yeah, going. I got gotcha, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's cool. But, uh, you know, you can open up any um, King book – and generally, when you're uh, in in the the publisher's notes section, you'll see all, all of the uh, you know th- thank yous for the use of certain songs. Right. it's like t- a ton of them generally because uh, you know he, he has it at the beginning of the book. He'll have chapters. He'll have actual uh, people singing certain songs. Yeah, um, the guy loves music so much that. Um, well, I guess it manifests itself in two different ways. One is he bought a rock radio station in Maine because I think it was pretty... uh, you know, pedestrian back then, the radio that was available to him in Maine. So it's like he created a radio station that he could hear the songs he wanted to hear. Yeah, make
0: sure you play all these songs <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I can hear them when I'm Right, operating. so,
1: you know, a lot of Ramones, a lot of ACDC. Yeah, that's cool. uh, But if, I'm sure it's pretty weird because it's probably mixed in with things like the Belmonts and the Penguins because yeah. that's the earliest stuff that he would have heard. Right. Um, and the other manifestation of his, his love of, of rock is... Uh, the fact that uh, he created with a, a number of other famous authors like Amy Tan and, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on the other ones, uh, Barry, Dave Barry, uh, and a bunch of other writers, uh, a group called uh, the Rock Bottom Remainders, and they play things like uh, Garage garage Band. Oh, yeah, or it's or one of those garage, things, like garage yeah. rock <laughs> They, the they have like things. a
0: bunch of comedians do that. Like a bunch of comedians will go get together and they jam rock songs right. in the bar. So this is a thing where a bunch of authors yeah. get together and they'll play their favorites. So yeah. oh, that's cool. And so there was a time. Local clubs. And
1: uh, I guess it was in the the 90s where um, he was doing one of these shows and Bruce showed up. <laughs> and <laughs> Unannounced as a surprise? I think so, yeah. yeah. And, and like <laughs> he just goes up on stage and he starts doing harmonies on Gloria. And uh, King said he was so taken aback, you know, by by Springsteen, who he, he adores, you Because, yeah. you know, this thing he, he likes, like, rock and stuff, but he he recognizes that Bruce is, like, one of the best writers out there, yeah. right? So I think, yeah, he was uh, really, really taken aback by this. A and little said, hum- he, humbled he, to be on a stage. Everybody <laughs> who's ever picked up a guitar knows, that like, you know, Gloria is like an EGA kind of song. And... Uh, King said he totally forgot how to play. It's like, it's, yeah, it's boss. Yeah, yeah it's, it's boss. It's the boss sharing a mic. So, uh, yeah. Stephen
0: King and Bruce Springsteen on yeah. Gloria. I want
1: to tell
3: you about my baby. You know, she come around about five. She's a down, She made me feel so good, Lord Oh, she made me feel alright And it ain't. She knock on my door. So she knocks on my door. I don't know. She knock on my door. She make me feel old. She come walking down my street. Come up to my house. She knocked upon my door. And she come to my room. 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 And she said, yeah. Where you been so long? Ah, she make me feel all right. G-L-O-
1: Yeah, yeah. Of uh, supposedly, you know, once they kind of got a friendship going, uh, they were in town at the same time. They would get together, and so I think the story was about uh, they, they were going out for dinner in New York, and uh, you know they both wanted to sit sort of at the back. They didn't want to be drawing attention. Yeah. But uh, so they're there, and they start to have their meal, and they're catching up. I think Bruce is playing in the garden or something like that, and. Uh, and it, this would have been around the Born in the USA time, too. Uh, so, anyway, this, uh, this girl comes in with her family, and uh, King describes it as uh, looking like it's uh, a birthday celebration or something. But as the family comes in, nobody really notices them except the girl. And she, like, you know, is looking over at the table, and, and Bruce notices. Yeah, and this girl's staring at me. Yeah. I'm trying to eat my fish over here. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so she starts walking back, like, in a magnetic kind of way, like she's just drawn over there. Yeah. Uh, and so Bruce uh, pulls out a pen, and uh, and she comes up to the table and, and says uh, – Mr. King, can I have your autograph? <laughs> and, and, and he said that was like one of the highlights of his life because she didn't even reference Bruce. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I was just um, a friend there, yeah, wow. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> anyway, so that's a fun little story. Oh, that's funny. Bruce and Stephen King eating together.
0: Cool. So uh, what about your uh, S- Springsteen fandom since and then? Since that show when you saw the soundtrack, Where did you become a fan after that? Did you get into yeah. it or was it kind yeah. of gradual?
1: No. No, it was pretty much right away. Actually, I know yeah. which you're probably wondering, well, then why the hell didn't you see a show? Um, but uh, and I don't know the answer to that. But yeah, um, who knows, man? Life gets no, boring. Bruce. Bruce immediately, um, you know, you just you can't. You have to recognize this guy's talent, right? Um, you know, yeah, he, some he, people
0: don't. Some people. He's very polarizing to some people. Some people don't like the cliche and stuff. I don't get it though. I just, well,
1: you know, here's one thing. You know, there are people out there. See, I'm also a Neil Young and a Bob Dylan fan. Yeah. And so I constantly come across the people, for some reason, usually the ladies, who say, I can't stand his voice. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, and it sounds and, different. And I know sometimes, you know, Bruce gets lumped into that as well, which I think he has, like, one of the most powerful voices in Bruce music. is a great singer. Like, yeah, uh, yeah for sure, yeah. Yeah, but uh, anyway, I immediately, like, could see that A, the dude could put on a great show. He could have been like maybe he he never wrote a word, and maybe he wasn't even uh, the singer, but I could tell that the guy could put on a great show. He's an entertainer, right. the, the
0: likes of like Elvis, James right. Brown, Sinatra. He's he commands a room like he yeah. you know he's just got that energy, charisma. He's a band leader. He knows yeah. how to entertain. He can.
1: It's funny you mention Elvis because. Uh, I was uh, I was watching the Rosalita clip today. I hadn't yeah. seen it in years, and it, it struck me. The great me. one,
0: the, pho- the Phoenix one, where he's the girls attacking at the yeah. end. There, yeah,
1: yeah. And the funny thing about <laughs> it is, I was looking at this clip and thinking it looks like the spirit of Elvis Presley and Pete Townsend are struggling to get control of this body. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's funny because he's sometimes there's a little hip stuff going on, yeah. but then there's also you know the jumping in the arm and. And, uh, yeah, he's a
0: rocker. He's a guitar player, but he, he's like he's got Elvis in him too. You know? Yeah, and yeah.
1: I mean the thing that I've always loved about Bruce, and and Ned, I don't know if it's just incredible stagecraft, but to me it looks like he is one of those guys that loses himself in the music, and that's what oh, I want. I know totally. You know, I know. I, that's exactly what I want. Um, There's nothing else
0: that matters to him more than performing that song when he's in the middle of a song. Right. You know, like, that's why he he plays four hour shows because he's he gets to like the three and a half hour mark of his shows and he's just not done yet he's just like okay, I got I got some more in the in the belly I got to get out of me. you know I got some more in the tank I got to get through here I'm not done yet we got to keep going
1: right um, so anyway I recognize that I, I recognize his greatness as a performer but uh, I guess I I bought or was given the cassette of the river that year that I saw him uh, at the garden <laughs> secretly and the secret garden. There you go. Here's a Bruce reference for you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> good, good call. Good. You records. know, you listen to that album and you can't help, but be impressed. Right. Yeah. I mean, Usually, you know, some of the energy on the shorter tunes—it's like the Clash. It's like you're listening to uh, the great era of the Clash. It's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's got hooks, but it's beating and it's driving. Uh, it's raw, and again, it's just energy—you can yeah, hear that garage, energy.
0: Rock, yeah.
1: But then you get songs like uh, "Wreck on the Highway," "The River," "Independence Day," and uh, again, if you're not floored by the emotions that are coming across in yeah. those songs, and I don't know what you are, but you don't seem human to me. Exactly, yeah. Um, so it's to have all of that in the same package is incredible. Uh, so I was drawn in by all of that. Yeah. Um, I have to say there was a, a moment, moment like maybe two seconds it, with the success of born in the USA. Um, and, you know, the, the cover shot of his butt. Yeah. Put you off a little and, bit. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, what's going on? And I, even then I didn't think it was Bruce. I, I wondered if, uh, you know, if it was some sort of like record company manipulation or yeah. something. Yeah. But like I say, it was a very brief moment because I realized, you know, Bruce only does what he wants to do, as we know, from the the era of uh, like between Born to Run and Darkness. You know, Um, Bruce does what Bruce wants to do. Yeah, he takes
0: control of his art and his craft. Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, so, again, there was a a period where and I was also getting, you know, I was getting very political then. And so, uh, you know, I, I was a little bit suspect. Like, is Bruce selling out? But mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, he, like he didn't, it didn't last like long at all because, you know, he, then he's involved with Amnesty. Then he's involved with Little Steven, and artist against apartheid. Yeah, he did that. And he put um, out Tunnel
0: of Love right after Born in the USA, right. which is a different record, you know?
1: And really, you know, as we, like, I didn't know it at the time, but we've since learned that The River was, as he says, his, his answer against uh, Reaganomics. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think Bruce is always. You know, been in the right place. Uh, you know, he, he he does what he needs to do, and sometimes uh, you know we might not know what's going on, but it all makes sense in the end.
0: Yeah, he's steering his ship. He knows where he wants to go, right?
1: Yeah. You know what? I am dying to. I don't know if you want to do it at some point, but I'm dying to hear uh, um, the Sun City track. That was the moment, too, where I was like, no, Bruce is down, man. Uh, is, uh, Bruce is
0: down. Yeah, that's a great song. A little Steven. And artists Against Artists United Against Apartheid. Is that what it was called? Yep. Sun City. Yeah, And
1: even that video where, uh, you know, there's a moment where you, Bruce comes around the corner. Yeah, and, Bruce is in a and leather it's jacket, like, and it's him it's, and Steve yeah, back. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like the Dirty Dozen, man. It's like...
0: Yeah, you see Bruce walking down the street in his leather jacket with uh, David Ruffin and Eddie Kendricks from The Temptations. Is they And then they he slaps some five at the end. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Like a street-talking rap. Yeah. With
1: the Bruce Growl. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's a great one. I got that 45 at home.
1: Yeah, I've got the, uh, well, like the 12-inch.
0: I got the 45. You have the 12-inch of that? Yeah. Has it got a mix on it?
1: Yeah, I think so. Nice. We're going to have to I'll play that. It's to got, I think, that, think uh, Silver and Gold. Is that what's on there? A, there's a Bruce tune. Really? Yeah, do you want me to, I can pull it out now if you like. Yeah, go gr- go. For, I got
0: to see that. we got to have to see that right now.
1: Uh, if I can get out of the chair <laughs>
0: Yeah, there was also, like, what? who else was in that? Like, African Bombada was on that. Uh, also, that's when I, like, ton of respect for uh, Little Steven. Lil Steven, yeah. Because I think he put the whole thing together. Yeah, it was his thing. Yeah, he, was, he was getting very political. and Alright, Sun City. Got the sun with the barbed wire. Stiv Bader, Pat Benatar, Curtis Blow, Bono was on there. Jimmy Cliff, Jackson Brown, Clarence, Clemens. George Clinton, Miles Davis was on the Bob Dylan was part of it. The Fat Boys, nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, a very cool combination of folks. Yeah. Uh, I was actually doing Darling
0: in Love. John Oates was there.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> Zach Starkey, Ringo Starr. Oh, Zach was there? Yeah. He Pete Townsend.
1: Been, he would have been really young. Zach,
0: yeah. he's yeah. Peter Wolf, Bobby Romack, Joey Ramone. Yeah, what Joey year is Ramon. that, 84? This is probably 88. No, late 85, yeah. So Zach, Run DMC. Zach has
1: probably like 20 there.
0: Millie Mill Michael Monroe awesome yeah nah, that's a good tune
1: got to say Hosting a college radio show back then at Seneca College uh, called Poison Free Radio, and uh, it was this one show. I was pretty obnoxious, I must say, but it was it was all about apartheid. Yeah. And I of of God, I probably played like the whole. Uh, well, how many tunes are there? One, two, three, six, eight, six, six tunes this or something. This and uh, Free Mel- Nelson Mandela by the Specials, yeah. Special AKA at that point, uh, nonstop. stop I think that's all I played. <laughs> for the whole show and, and just wagged my finger at people why you shouldn't deal with certain banks and whatnot. not but anyway it was uh, yeah it was great you know and and Bruce has always again I think just done the right thing
0: yeah yeah he's made some smart moves politically you know gotten behind I like see I like Bruce's political views because he's always uh, supporting human rights and civil rights and civil freedoms which is what I can really get behind which you know
1: yeah and you know one thing that um, I've always felt with, with him as well is that uh, some people will say that, uh, have said in the past that, uh, well, you know, how, how dare a millionaire try to like pretend that he's like some working Joe. Yeah. And that's not what Bruce does. Bruce is the voice of those people. Yes. And you can be the voice of something without actually being it. And, and he grew up with that life and he's so much of it is about his father right mm-hmm. um, who did live that life um, so I think it's perfectly legitimate in, in every way I don't think it, you can ever you know knock the guy for being successful at what he does which is speak for all of us and to all of us exactly um, yes So I agree yeah hey,
3: we shall overcome we shall overcome you will overcome Sun-
0: Else? anything else what do you want to close on you got, you got any favorites you got uh, a favorite well, record favorite? i
1: need uh, somebody to uh, <laughs> start a fund me campaign for uh, to go see a bruce show
0: well he's playing uh, broadway <laughs> this fall you can go see him solo that on broadway would be great. yeah i that don't know what those great. shows are going to be like uh, i guess he's got a solo album he's preparing for and he's announced these like a residency in broadway he's going to do like a one-man yeah. show for upcoming comedy.
1: that would be incredible uh, now
0: you got to see the e street band though dude like oh you got to see the magic of that band. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, good.
1: you know, the E Street band, too, and I've been talking specifically about Bruce, but that band really does amaze me. Because so there, there have been points... One of the
0: greatest rock and roll bands ever assembled, i got to say. Right. You know, and there have sure. been points
1: where I have actually thought, I guess I wish Bruce would just do his thing and, and do it like, I, I don't know if you remember this, but in, again, around 85 or so, Dylan played on The Letterman Show, and he used a punk band as uh, his backing band and really uh, what
0: I don't remember that either. really
1: yeah yeah I can show you some clips later yeah cool uh, it was like the infidels period
0: and all right and, yeah
1: and he did these great really punchy versions and I remember thinking at that point I wish Bruce would sometimes just go with guitar bass and drums oh I've always said
0: that eh yeah that's one of the things I've said on this podcast a few times Is like if I could get one wish like I love the East Street Band right but I would like to see Bruce play with like a three-four piece band. Yeah. Like Max, Gary, and Roy, and Bruce. You know, like just piano, bass, drums, and guitar, or like Bruce and Steve, Max and Gary. Right. And and like just to hear him play like these songs, yeah. but just like as a like a, a three-four piece rock band. You know. Yeah. Just stripped down. Oh, I would love
1: to hear and that. I always <laughs> love the bass in the East street band. Yeah. Um, Gary's so, great. So I think that would be an amazing thing to see. But then, every time I think about a Springsteen song that I love. Yeah. And after I've thought, mm, do I really need keyboards on this song? Or do I really need piano and keyboards? And then I think how it totally makes the song. Yeah. <laughs> you the, know? Each, each,
0: each of these songs has a little piece, a little moment that just yeah. gives it that character. Whether it be a sax solo right. or a, a, little, right. a little organ part that Danny would play in there yeah. behind the chorus. You know? Yeah. It's just... Yeah. Like, I remember the, th- the thing with the E Street Band is like, wow, he's got a piano player and an organ. Like, most bands would have, like, we were going for yeah. an organ sound. Or piano, right? Like right. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers would have Benmont, and he would play like either one or the other. But here he's like, oh, we want both all at the right. same time, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah, so I know. cool. It's,
1: it, and it's funny because
0: it almost you think, well, that almost sounds like prog rock,
1: right? Yeah, like, like, why would, just way too many keyboards, yeah, but, but it works. Yeah, uh, and even like I know it's totally sacrilege to even make this a topic, but but like Clarence, you know, <laughs> it's like sometimes you think. That doesn't need sax. It's like, yeah, but sax totally makes this song.
0: (laughs) Well, the thing, too, is like, he has specific, like, look at the Darkness on the Edge of Town record, and there's maybe only three sax solos on the whole record. So there's like seven songs that don't have any sax on it at all. So Bruce is very disciplined, and he knows, like, you know, this song doesn't really need it. But here, you know, we need something. Like, the, the the story is that Badlands never had that sax solo on right. it. Right. And he's like, he added it at the end. And as soon as he added it, it's like, holy, that's made the song, you know? Can you, can I ask you a question? Yeah, Maybe yeah. you can clear this up. Because, um, you know,
1: I've read a couple of the books ab- about Bruce or the one that I'm currently in by him. But what's the deal with uh, Nils and Steven in terms of, like, who's on what album? And, and now they're together, right? Yeah.
0: Well, um, like... Well, Steve joined the band officially for Darkness on the Edge of Town, even though he'd been in and out for the first, you know, period, a couple out records there. But he joined the band for that, and he toured up until, like, 82, 83. And then during the recording of Born in the USA, that's when they kind of had a little bit of a falling out. It's a little bit still unclear who's, you know, what, what happened there. Steve kind of, Bruce and would play Steve off John Lando a little bit to have him work on music together. And I think that was kind of rubbing Steven a little bit the wrong way. So he kind of parted ways there and kind of worked on his solo career. So at that point, that's when Bruce kind of, you know, Steve left the band and Nils joined for the tour, for the Born in the USA tour. And then Nils stuck with the band. You know, and then when the Bruce broke the East Street Band up, early 90s, to do the Human Touch Lucky Town records, right? And then when he got the band back together for the greatest hits, that's when he brought Steve and Nils back together. And in the reunion tour, he's had them both, right? okay. So
1: <laughs> and so Nils joined as a touring band member,
0: right? yeah. Like he joined in eighty four, eighty five, eighty four, yeah, okay. for the eighty four tour, yeah. Yeah, Nils is great. So now you have you know you have the best of both worlds. You have all three of those guitarists on stage, eh? Bruce Nils and Steve <laughs> and <laughs> Patty, all, Patty too. Yeah, yeah, although I'm not really see, I'm not really in the guys bringing their wives on stage, eh? Right. Like mccartney does that <laughs> springsteen does that who else There's a bunch more uh well john lennon obviously right, right. but just uh, but she
1: was a member prior to right steve Earle
0: did that steve Earle brought his wife on stage a little bit ah just <laughs> yeah
1: yeah but but when did she join the band like she because yeah she joined she joined she the band wanting to join really early right
0: yeah, in the book it mentions she auditioned for the band like in 73 or right, something like right. that, like in the early days, and like he was considering it, but then he was like, nah, it's not, we're not ready for yeah. girls in this band yet. Yeah. <laughs> but then I guess when Steve left, you know, he was he wanted to change, augment the band with Nils and maybe get Patty in right. there to sing, you know, do some well, vocal things because right. Steve was a singer too, right? And
1: we know Bruce likes his red-headed women. He does, yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, what else? You got a favorite song? What do you want to close on, man? Uh, Closing. Do you got to do I don't know. Like favorite. Well, if you ever go see Springsteen live, what song do you want to hear? That what song do you want to hear and play that night? Okay, you
1: know? it's funny, you know, because again, like with Bruce, you can go two different ways, right? You can have the ones that devastate you, and the ones that like raise you up to the heavens. That's all yeah. Um, you got this whole so, thing. You sometimes so you might way, just want to rock. Which way know? would I would I rather go? You want to well, be emotional? You, you want to dance? You I think. Just, I think uh, i would want to hear the river live and i think the moment i heard the harmonica i think i would just be a mess yeah, yeah. so I, I would go with the river because yeah again for me it all goes back to like 80 81 and that album that album that, that moment yeah
0: that that memory of you at the sound check <laughs> yeah <laughs> so cool yeah
1: yeah so i would go with the river
3: Come from down the valley Where, mister, when you're young They bring you up to do Just like your daddy done Me and Mary, we met in high school When she was just 17 We'd ride out of that valley Where the fields were green, we go. with the Johnstown Company
0: any other closing words what do you want to wrap up with um anything else we need to talk jeez
1: I well I don't I'll let you know when the books are out I've got a couple of books coming out but uh, that's yeah you're uh, you're working
0: on some things too right you're a you're a, a writer too you got a couple of books right you got coming out yeah. yeah
1: that's right and actually like because of my king influence I actually throw music in like crazy so yeah, um, yeah. I don't know that I actually have Bruce off the top of my head but the one one book I have a from Skeeter Davis, uh, The End of the World. Um, uh, yeah, I need more Bruce. I need more Bruce in my life. I need to see Bruce. That's, that's <laughs> what People of the world, I will see Bruce. But it's my bucket list. You'll see it, man. I'm sure it'll happen. Yeah. We're hoping
0: for you. An E Street Band show. We might not have much more time, though. Eh? The band's... Uh,
1: I know, right. And yeah. any, as we know, anything, Borrowed
0: time. time. Everybody's on borrowed time these days, yeah, you know?
1: for sure. <laughs> well, Lee, thanks for uh, letting me have my confession here
0: yeah man thanks for joining us giving your thoughts on Bruce Springsteen. It's always great to uh, you know just get someone's different uh, perspective on you know Bruce Springsteen and what what he means to them musically.
1: love the cast.
0: All right thanks man
2: <laughs> So that's the show folks thanks for listening. You can find us on our website at TrampsLikeUsPod.com. communicate with us on Facebook at our Champs Like us podcast group page. And on Twitter at Tramps Like Us Pod. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, where you can leave a review and a five star rating. Tramps Like Us Podcast is a non profit audio fanzine created by fans, for fans, and is available for free. We are not affiliated with Bruce Springsteen or Columbia Sony Records. If you've heard any music you like, please find it and purchase it from brucespringsteen.net, iTunes, Amazon, your local record store, or wherever music is sold. As always, gratitude and respect to Bruce Springsteen and all past and current members of the heart-stopping, pants-dropping, hard-rocking, booty-shaking, earthquaking, love-making, Viagra-taking, history-making, testifying, death-defying, legendary E Street Band.
0: Monkey's puppet? We yeah. I had this in 66. Yeah, puppet? Yep. Yeah. Totally
1: doesn't look like them at all. <laughs> no,
0: well... Mickey, you, it sort of looks like Mickey over there.
1: If you were forced into it out, you might like do it through... You know, through elimination? So, kind of Mickey, obviously Mike, then you, God knows what, right? Yeah.